When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B Boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A Boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Hour number three here on Herd Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN, Tri-Cities, and we're on KFOR in Lincoln as well. I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew Rogers here with me, and we are joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by Michael Brunts of Husker 24-7. Brunts, what's going on? Hey, much, what's up? Oh, we're just uh, living the dream over here, you know, doing a little NFL Super Bowl talk. Uh, how's how's your world today on a relatively quiet National Signing Day? I can't imagine it's good after the uh, Oakland news. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> so, uh, oh man, you know, just 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 maybe the news of the mayor coming out in Vegas saying like, yeah, yeah, don't come. See you later. I'm okay with that. Well, I know I know you're an Oakland guy, but how do you know if your team's even going to be playing this year? <laughs> well, they'll play this year. They're, Are you they're sure? The least, the least says they have to. <laughs> but next year, that, yeah, not my problem. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, today's today's quiet. It's really quiet, uh, which is just kind of how the. What what are we calling this? The second signing day? Late late signing day? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if the first part one's two. early, this one's late. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Signing day part On two. Time. Part two. Um, yeah, it's it, that's just kind of the way it is now. I mean, you're you're waiting on a couple decisions. Matt Rule's going to talk because he hasn't in a while, and and uh, you don't have the normal early February stress, which isn't a bad thing. Brunts, with the uh, with the relative lack of stress, there are a couple decisions that Nebraska is waiting on here. I know the big one is Keona Wilhite. Seems like everybody feels pretty good about that. Um, I haven't seen. I've been searching. It doesn't look like we've seen an official commitment from him. That are you expecting that to be uh, that one to go Nebraska's way though? Uh, on on Wilhite, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're in a good spot for him. Um, they also just, right now, just picked up a uh, commitment from Kamir Prescott. So if you guys want to do like a breaking news sound or, <laughs> or something like that, you're welcome to. Um, but no, I mean, I think with Will Height, they're in a good spot. Things have kind of been trending towards UCLA like early in last week. And then I, I think, you know, the, the news with Chip Kelly basically interviewing for every job that's available 
didn't didn't do him any favors there. So I think Nebraska's in a good spot. He'll announce this afternoon at about two forty, two thirty, um, somewhere in there. And I, I think Nebraska stands a good chance to get him. Bruncey, as you uh, kind of evaluate this day as a whole, and you wrap your head around what is left of National Signing Day. Where else are you confident? Where else are you hesitant in terms of uh, commits, um, offers, signees, Nebraska football, things of that nature? Um, well, I mean, I, I think with, with kind of today, I mean, you're putting t- the, the 2024 class to bed. I mean, it's kind of been in bed for a while. I guess you're just going to tuck it in at this point. But, um I think, you know, what we've seen and, and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and I think Matt Rule did this last year too, a lot of the visits that he and his staff have made over the last couple of weeks, I think are really instructive about the direction that the 25 class is going to go and the, the direction that the 26 class is going to go. I mean, I think what they've done is with the February signing period being so quiet, They've basically worked ahead. They've identified the guys at the top of their board for the 25 class, and that's where I think you saw a lot of their efforts being focused. So, you know, I, I think, you know, right now, at least according to 24-7 sports, that 24 class sits at number 18 in the country. And, you know, I, I think there's still, you know, room for them to grow as a staff. I mean, I feel like we say it, been saying it for the last decade, but I mean, if, if they are able to kind of put it together on the field, I think you're going to start to see even better results uh, on, on the recruiting trail as well. But I, I think they've done a nice job. And I, I think, you know, with the way the, the recruiting calendar is now, these last couple of weeks are much more about, hey, let's see if there's the best available player out there right now, see if we can go get him and we're talking with michael brunts of husker 24 7 brunts you mentioned that 2025 class and weirdly enough nebraska's already got a decommit from the 2025 class in cj simon who was part of that class for all of about two months what do you know about that situation and how that played out both i guess his his commitment on the front end and his relatively quick decommitment on the back end here that we saw i believe yesterday it came down yeah uh last night it happened i mean i he was kind of a guy that nebraska identified early um a real kind of you know tight tight window really quick kid um had been pretty productive um as a junior i i think I guess the I guess it's fair to say the commitment kind of came a little bit out of the blue. It felt a little bit early, um, but I, I think with Nebraska and kind of the way they're recruiting right now, um, you know, I, I I think they kind of want the spot. I mean, I, I think it was probably a mutual thing. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to have more opportunities too. So um, you know, I, I think you know if you can kind of. Do, do the soft breakup now and let everybody kind of go their separate ways. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the, the other thing to remember too, and I, I think this bear is following in the 25 class, you know, when he committed, you didn't have Dylan Rayola in, or Rayola in your class. Um, and, and I think that addition coming when it did, I mean, I, I think that kind of introduces you to a little bit wider pool of wide receivers i think that's fair to say so i'm, I'm curious to see as the, the 25 class goes along if, if nebraska is able to kind of benefit from 
that recruitment because you you know you didn't really have that opportunity in December to bring in a bunch of guys and um, you know really kind of have him peer recruit for the class. So I, I think you will see some benefit of that in the twenty five class. Brunts, before you officially shut the book of the 2024 cycle. I want you to open it back up, scan across the page. Outside of Dylan Rayola, who's the most impactful commit in your mind that has you saying, if anyone is going to make an immediate impact, it's this guy? I'm trying to think. So I, I lean more towards the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I I think one guy. This is going to be a long answer for a short question. I, I think a guy that we're not talking about enough in this class is Jacory Barney. Hmm. Um, you know, he was in high school in, in Florida, was a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I think he might have played a little bit of defensive back too. And with the ability to, to a enroll early, to focus on only wide receiver. Um, I think he's got a chance to get in that mix early. I know that's a that's a, t- a tougher position, I think, than most people assume to get on the field and play right away. But I think that, to me, is the position that has a little bit more of a wider road to potentially get to playing time with. So I, I think that's one direction I would go. I mean, I, I Carter Nelson, to me, is a little bit of the wild card because Nebraska doesn't really know how they're going to use him. And if he was just a straight tight end, I would say, yeah, you know, you, you might have a little bit of time there to wait. But I, I think he's got a chance to get in there a, a little bit sooner than what a lot of people assume coming out of the eight-man ranks. I mean, I, I think from what he showed in the, the two showcase games, the All-American Bowl and, and the Polynesian Bowl, I think he's – I don't know that the learning curve – is going to be quite as steep as what people assume. So those are those are two guys I would probably lean towards right away of, of, of having some kind of impact. Brunch, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up those uh, kind of all-star games because typically, you know, people don't put a ton of stock in those. But it seemed like for Carter Nelson, because he had not really played any organized 11-man football, it seems like we're putting a lot of value on his experience in those two games maybe also because it's a totally different level of competition that he faced in some of the smaller classes in Nebraska. Is is that kind of how you perceived this? Because I'll be honest, I wasn't really thinking of Carter Nelson as a guy that could have an instant impact last year until these All-Star games. I was like, ah, maybe he's coming along a little bit faster than we thought. Yeah, it, it's everything that he did in high school is extremely impressive. I mean, it, the, the thing to me that's always – you know, a, a little bit uh, interesting with his highlights, even. And, and I don't know if it's the competition he played or just, you know, what he was asked to do. Because, I mean, he basically did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it always seemed to me like he was always moving at, like, three-quarters speed. And you, you were kind of always wondering, like, what, what does this look like if he just absolutely lets it rip? And, I you know, I, I think there was a lot of intrigue um, with – you know, how he was going to adjust. I mean, the, the thing is, too, is a lot of guys don't have that level of competition every day in, in their high school careers. I think people kind of forget that. Um, but, you know, I, I think with with him, it was like, okay, is he going to, you know, 
be really dialed in, except the coaching is, you know, going to be overwhelmed. Um, you know, how, how is it? How is it going to? From talking to people, you know, they really liked what he did. I, I, I think he impressed people with not only, you know, what his ability is, you know, what what the athletic traits are, but also just his mental approach to, to wanting to kind of learn everything because it was all new to him. So. I think that helps. I mean, I think, you know, if a guy comes in with the right attitude, I think that that matters almost as much as just pure athleticism when you're talking about getting on the field uh, as a true freshman. Bruncey, especially locally, what have you really liked about this staff's efforts to control their own destiny, never really feeling like they're behind the eight ball against other schools? Uh, well, I mean, I think I mean, we we talked about this. I mean, I, I think the the the, the mistakes that the past staffs have made is that you know you, they have not recruited local prospects as though they're you know rec- they're like they're from Iowa or Kansas or Missouri or Florida. I mean, I I, I think you you can't anymore assume that just because a kid's from Nebraska that. A, he grew up a Nebraska fan, although I, I think the, the majority of recruits in the state are still very tied into Nebraska for various reasons. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think they're, they're also offering earlier and just starting that relationship. I mean, I, I think before th- there was maybe a hesitancy to offer early. And I think when you kind of go down the list of what Nebraska's done offer-wise in the state already, I mean, you've got like seven or eight guys already offered in the 25 class. There's a few in the 26 class. There's a 27 offer out. I mean, I think there's going to be more coming in that 26 class relatively soon. So I, I, I think that, to me, is a sign that, like, okay, they're not going to just, you know, assume assume much about in-state prospects. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Ed Foley's trips around the state, I think there is value in that, um, you know, as, as much as everybody – snickers about the the food pictures and stuff like that but i mean i I think it's a um a sign that you know that they're going to be in the state and not just showing up at a a school's doorstep just because they have a recruitable athlete there and you know the the last thing on that you know you you look at the coaches who are involved with in-state recruiting it's not just like okay this is ed foley's gig like you've got tony white in in, you know at miller north and at west side you've got rob dvoracek at West Side, you've got um, you know Terrence Knight and making stops at Omaha North. I mean the 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 other assistant coaches who have other recruiting responsibilities are also making themselves very visible in Omaha and in Lincoln. And I, I think that's that's been a really big change. And I, I think you know for a lot of coaches in the state, they kind of wanted to see if the staff was going to walk the walk, and I think so far they have. We're talking with Michael Brunts of Husker 24-7. Brunson, you mentioned a couple schools there on Ed Foley and uh, Nebraska staff's little tour that uh, I think people are keeping a really close eye on in that 2025 class. Obviously, Christian Jones at Westside. You've got uh, Cade Vermoss and Pierce Mooberry at Millard North. I mean, if you had to, you know, we're we're talking a lot about betting this week with Super Bowl and props. If you were a betting man... How many of those three do you think end up at Nebraska? Uh, of those three, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, 
I mean, it's, it's not a first inning parlay, but I mean, I, I would, <laughs> I would say, I would say Nebraska's got a really good chance to, to get all three. I mean, you've, you've already got Vermont in the class. I think they're in a really good spot with Pierce Mooberry. Um, you know, I, I, I think my crystal ball on 24 seven sports has them going to Nebraska and, you know, with Christian Jones, I mean, even, even though you had the, the changeover in staff, um, you know, I, I think they've done a really nice job of, of kind of strengthening that relationship really quickly. And you've got guys from West Side that are already at Nebraska, uh, making sure that they're, you know, leaning on him. Uh, you've got guys that are going to be coming to Nebraska who are also going to be leaning on him. And, you know, I, it, it's kind of, you know, cliche, but I think it's kind of true. I mean, I, I think with, with recruiting, you follow the visits a little bit. And, I think he's been at Nebraska something like eight, nine, ten times, something like that. So, I, you know, that that, that matters in, in my mind. So I, I think they're in a good spot for those guys. I think they're in a good spot for a number of local kids. I mean, I, I think that 25 class, you've already got three commits, in, you know, in-state in that class. I mean, I think it's going to be another one where you, you can see, what, maybe a, a third of the class be in-state prospects again. And I think that's a good way to kind of build a nice, solid foundation for a recruiting class when you can keep those guys home. Bruncey, now you have my mind on baseball after bringing up a first-inning parlay. I'm like, <laughs> over here. I'm, I'm ready for baseball season to, to get going so I can place one. Uh, and unfortunately, I can't place one in college baseball, but I did want to get your thoughts on one thing about Nebraska baseball because – um, it, especially last year and, and maybe into the year before, Nebraska hasn't really owned the state of Nebraska. Omaha's had their number. Creighton's had their number at points. But Omaha no longer has Mike Bovee. Creighton has seen some turnover as well. Is this the year Nebraska regains the state? Good question. Um, and by the way, you can't you can bet on college baseball, as I understand it. You just probably don't want to go too heavy on it. That's when you. Well, no, I know I can bet on college baseball. I just don't know <laughs> if I can bet on first inning unders. In college <laughs> I don't know if they have all the exotics on the college baseball betting board. Yeah, you go to go to Cincinnati and see how much of your money they'll accept there for first inning parlay. I'll just um, ask Alabama's former baseball coach. <laughs> no, I mean I, I think when you kind of look at Nebraska. It'll, the last couple of years, um, a lot of their issues um, that, that they kind of had with with roster depth showed up on in midweek games. I mean, they, you know, even last season they struggled. Uh, it wasn't just Omaha; they they struggled against the entire Summit League, and part of that was you just didn't have enough options in your pitching staff that you could go to uh, to kind of get things going and. You know, I, I think that that was a uh, something that they really wanted to address in the off season. I think when you just look at the number of pitchers that they have that they feel confident in, um, I think that will help tremendously. And you know, I, I, I think sometimes too with those midweek games, um, it, it, they're kind of just bare knuckle um, emotional games. And I think the way that this offense is, is at least on paper, drawn up to be, um, I, I think they're going to be able to force the issue a little bit more on offense. I mean, I, I, last year's team was a, a group that if they got up on you early, they were going to just beat you to a pulp. 
Um, but if it was a three to two game uh, in the fifth inning, that that wasn't a real comfortable thing for him. So I, I'm eager to see if, if the changes they've made roster wise and in kind of approach in some areas helps a little bit more with the midweeks. Um, you know, I, I think what Nebraska has also done is I think they've scheduled a little bit more aggressively with some of their midweek games. I mean, there's not going to be this feeling of like, which, which I think sometimes happens with midweeks where it's like, oh, you know, it, it's not a conference game. That's where our focus is. I mean, I think, I think they understand that if they're going to do anything postseason-wise, they've got to get a lot better um, in, in those, those midweeks. And I think a lot of it was just they didn't have very good pitching depth the last couple of years to be able to go in and just win those games. Brunts, before we uh, let you go here in a few minutes, obviously Nebraska baseball kicks off the season a week from Friday, so we'll check back in with a little more baseball talk next week. But tonight the uh, men's basketball team hits the road again against Northwestern. Um, as you look at this game, as you look at the way Nebraska's season is uh, wrapping up it with the final handful of games here, how are you feeling, and how kind of desperate are you starting to get in terms of finally getting one of those conference road games? Yeah, I mean, this, this would be a good one to have. <laughs> I mean, I, I think when you look at what's left out there, I mean, I, I would uh, not, not to, you know, go all Nebraska against Purdue, but, I mean, the, the last couple ones feel a little bit more gettable than this one. But um, I, I do think that, you know that this would be a really nice win for Nebraska. I think it would be, it would come at a good time too, because I mean, you know, they they've been playing better basketball recently, but you're you're kind of entering that home stretch where you need to be playing good basketball, and kind of starting that stretch with a you know a, a win on the road against a pretty good Northwestern team. I mean, I think that 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 would do a lot of good for Nebraska in a lot of ways. And and the thing too. Northwestern's coming into this game kind of in a similar fashion where it, it's not necessarily their last stand. They, they're also a team that kind of needs something good to happen. So Nebraska's going to have to play really well. They're going to have to really kind of take care of their business with, uh, on the glass and, and, you know, play good defense. But, um, you know, this is, this is a sneaky big game with, I think, a lot of upside for what it can do for Nebraska's resume and, and kind of just their approach the rest of the year. Bronson, not just their road record, but just their record in general. What does that have to look like for the Huskers, for you to comfortably say the Huskers will go dancing with this total? Uh, if they get to 11-9 and nine in, in conference, I feel like I would be feeling pretty good at that point. Um, you know, certainly who the wins are against, how they happen, all that stuff, that matters. Um, but I feel like if you kind of got to that point, you'd feel okay about where things are. And then maybe you're, you know, maybe just playing for seating in, in Minneapolis, you get another game up there or something like that. But that, that, that to me for about a month has felt like the magical number for Nebraska is, is if you can get to above 500 in conference play, they should probably uh, be okay in my mind. But I mean, what do I know? I thought that 18 team was probably a, uh, a, a team that could win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament and ended up having to travel in the NIT. So I'm um, not, not good on the bracketology usually, but I think 11 and 9 is a number in my head. All right, Bronson, a little out of your wheelhouse here, but, uh, you know, I, I like to, 
to, to stretch your expertise a little bit as you're, you know, we're, we're in Super Bowl week here. you have a Super Bowl pick for us? Uh, well, I'm rooting for the 49ers. I mean, I think that's that's pretty much a given yeah. um, with the two teams involved. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it should be a pretty good game. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting a, uh, a, a a blowout either way. I'm sure that the, uh, you know, just because of the way things work, I'm sure Kansas City is probably going to win. But I'll be rooting <laughs> for uh, the 49ers, and I'm sure that the Chiefs will get some late call that they shouldn't get, that the, that the Chiefs always get. Um, so hopefully the 49ers are able to, to do something there. But uh, I, I, I think the Chiefs win, but I'm rooting for the 49ers. You and me both, Brunsky. That's Michael Brunsky, Musker 24-7. Brunsky, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. See you. Hey. Coming up next, we've got Anna Bellinghausen from Hernout Sports here on Hernout Sports Radio.